So the next uh, um, talk is uh, an interesting talk because we have several new approvals in the space of immunotherapy for ALL. The, the goal of this talk is to review all the approved immunotherapies in ALL and to understand the side effect profile and management uh, of these immunotherapies because they are bringing a whole set of toxicities that have not been seen so far um, with um, uh, treatment of um, ALL. There are several targets that are present on um, ALL that could be potentially um, be used um, for targeting. Some of these are approved and some of them are in clinical trials. The biggest one is CD19, which is um, present in uh, about 90% of uh, uh, B-cell ALL. And there are two approved um, drugs that can target it, blinitumumab and um, uh, CAR T-cell, which we'll all go through um, in detail. The second target is CD22, which is present in about 65 to 80% of uh, uh, B-cell ALL, um, and there are treatments that are targeted to that. The first one is inotuzumab, ozogamicin, um, which is an antibody uh, plus chemotherapy um, combined it, 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 to use an antibody-directed cytotoxicity. The second is epirtuzumab, which is a naked anti-CD22 antibodies. It is in clinical trials currently, um, and um, CAR T cells directed towards CD22, which are also um, going to enter clinical trials soon. The third target is CD20, which we all know has an excellent um, um, uh, uh, antibody against rituximab um, and ofatumumab. Um, Rituximab has been incorporated um, in patients uh, with uh, CD20-positive ALL, while ofatumumab is in clinical trials. CD52 is also um, present in a subset of uh, ALL patients. Uh, the trials with elemtuzumab are ongoing to see if that can improve responses and long-term survival. So we'll now go through one by one each of these um, immunotherapies. The first one is rituximab. Um, rituximab is shown to have poor prog uh, uh, CD20 positivity, shown to have poor prognosis in patients with uh, B cell ALL, and the um, the positive uh, uh, subcategory is basically anybody who has a CD20 positivity over 20%. It was considered positive for most of these trials, um, and. When rituxin was uh, incorporated with hypercevad, to the left um, is hypercevad um, with um, rituxin compared to a historical um, cohort of no rituxin and just hypercevad. Um, the patients who got rituxin um, had an increased both CR duration, which is the first curve, and uh, increased survival with rituxin compared to no rituxin, which was a um, historical um, cohort. Interestingly, this benefit was only seen in patients who were less than 60 years old. There is no benefit um, to adding rituxin over 60 years. So um, the, uh, our standard is to add a rituximab in patients with, uh, treated with hypercevad under 60 years old. To the, um, to the right is the um, more Larsen regimen-like uh, uh, um, regimens, which were um, combining CD20 with um, multimodality um, chemotherapy, and again, um, rituximab was superior 
to control um, in combination with uh, multimodality chemotherapy for uh, all um, um, all events that you can um, think of survival, um, cumulative incidence of relapse, death, and overall survival. Rituximab was superior. Again, in this study, patients who were under 60 were the people who were um, benefiting from it, and over 60, there was no benefit to adding um, rituximab. So for both kind of chemo regimens, the data was identical. The second um, immunotherapy um, that I would like to um, focus on is blinitumumab, which is a bispecific antibody that engages uh, CD19 um, on one hand, which is positive in 90% of ALL um, with the body's uh, CD3 or the, the T cells at the other and induces um, a redirected lysis of the tumor cell because the idea is that um, the, the T cells um, in patients with ALL are not able to recognize the, the tumor cell and blinitumumab facilitates this by binding to both um, and increasing um, lysis. Blinitumumab was approved for two indications um, for ALL, and uh, the three trials that led to that approval, we're going to go um, through them one by one. The first one was the TOWER study, which enrolled Philadelphia-negative B-cell ALL with a two-to-one randomization. Um, adult patients with a relapsed or refractory B-cell ALL identified as either they were primary refractory or they were untreated after first relapse with the, re the remission duration lasting less than um, 12 months. So these are people who are not likely to get um, a response with chemotherapy again or untreated second or later relapse, and anybody who had a post-transplant relapse were all eligible for the study. Blinitumumab was given in cycle one um, with uh, uh, at the dose of nine micrograms um, per day on days one through seven, and then escalated to 28 micrograms per day for the rest of the month through, month through um, 28 days. The reason this was um, given this way is that blinitumumab is associated with um, a cytokine release and inflammatory um, um, a reaction with fevers um, and uh, sometimes hypoxia, hypoxia and neurological um, complications, and giving this step up um, was shown to be safer um, in patients. Blinitumumab is usually pretreated with steroids um, in order to reduce some of these um, reactions. Cycle two through five were given in 42-day cycles. So it would be four weeks on and two weeks off. And at that point, 28 microgram was given straight up without the escalation. Again, needing steroid pre-medication for cycle two, but not after. And then maintenance was given from cycles six through nine in similar cycles, except that they were 84-day cycles. The randomization was with investigator choice of chemotherapy. If you look at the results, in terms of overall survival, blinitumumab was superior to um, chemotherapy. The rate of CR was 42% um, overall, and 80% of those patients had an MRD-negative remission. Chemotherapy arm median survival, as you can see, is uh, uh, low uh, four months, with blinitumumab 7.7 months. If we censored at the time of stem cell transplantation, this benefit was continued, um, and it was superior at that time as well. If you look at the subgroup 
um, of patients um, with, who were treated on the trial, Lertumab was effective in most subgroups with, with regard to age, history of previous stem cell transplant, or having a bone marrow blast count less um, than 50% or more than 50%. However, there was one group that I would like to call out, which is the third or later relapse where um, the efficacy was not um, uh, shown, uh, but the other subgroups uh, were okay. The second study um, was Alcantara study, which is for Philadelphia positive ALL. Um, so the same uh, population, except that they were pH positive, and they had to be refractory to at least one um, second generation um, TKI or intolerant to uh, imatinib as well as a second generation um, TKI. This was not a randomized study. Um, Blinitumumab was given in the same fashion as uh, the, the tower study. And if you uh, look at uh, the uh, long-term relapse-free survival and overall survival, um, blinitumab still um, did very well with uh, uh, at least 6.7 months um, um, survival, median survival of 6.7 months. The, the CR rate was 36%, um, which in a patient with uh, a relapsed ALL is actually um, uh, helpful and uh, um, that led to its uh, approval for Philadelphia positive ALL as well in the, re in the refractory setting. So the third um, question was, you know, we all know the importance of MRD um, in patients with ALL. There is also data that if we send people um, to transplant with an MRD positive um, a, a bone marrow response more than 0.1%, these patients are um, generally, all of them, relapse. And the idea is that could we send people into a better um, uh, transplant by achieving an MRD-negative state? The BLAST study looked at um, this um, precise question uh, where patients who were um, older and had received chemotherapy, at least three chemotherapy um, blocks, uh, any standard uh, of chemotherapy was okay. They were in CR, but had an MRD positive uh, um, uh, response with more than 0.1%. Uh, patients were given 15 microgram per meter squares, meter squared of the drug um, for days one through 28. There was, it wasn't up uh, titrated like uh, it was in the previous study because the concept is if the volume of disease is low, you're less likely to, to have a cytokine release um, um, complications. Uh, treatments were given up to four cycles. The median uh, number of cycles given were two. Um, and if you look at all the subcategories of first, second, or third CR and look at the um, MRD response, it was 82%, 71%, and 55%, uh, um, which was um, uh, very uh, impressive. This was true for all levels of MRD detection. Um, and uh, uh, the drug w is approved for an MRD-positive uh, um, CR as a bridge to um, transplant, or if they're not transplantable, to just continue um, with the cycle. Most patients achieved an MRD-negative uh, CR with one cycle, um, but some patients did take up to two cycles to have an MRD-negative state. 
So now with the blinitumumab approval for these two indications, MRD-positive and relapsed, um, th there are some side effects that we have to um, consider. Cytokine release syndrome, the severe, which is generally manifested with fevers, hypotension, um, hypoxia, um, is found in 5% of these um, patients uh, and um, very responsive to steroids. Um, sometimes tocilizumab, which is an anti-IL-6 receptor antibody, could be used um, for this, but for most patients, the CRS is not as severe as you see in CAR T-cells, which we'll talk about. Neurological toxicity in the form of um, tremors, insomnia, headache, um, sometimes confusion has also been reported for grade three severe events where patients are not able to talk or are not arousable, the drug has to be interrupted, and they're all reversible once the drug is interrupted. Lymphopenia and reduced immunoglobulin levels are seen in about 25 to 30 percent of patients. As you know, CD19 is present on mature B cells as well, so it can impact um, those cells too. However, the rate of infections that have been seen with blinitumumab are not any different than what we would expect out of a relapsed and refractory population. The second immunotherapy um, is, uh, that I would like to um, talk about is uh, Inotuzumab ozogamicin, which is a CD22 antibody linked to calachomycin. Calachomycin is very toxic, as you know, um, when um, given by itself, but the idea of an antibody-directed um, cytotoxicity was explored with this drug in patients with relapsed um, B-cell ALL. Uh, all patients uh, were adults with relapsed after one or two previous induction chemotherapy. Philadelphia-positive B-cell ALL uh, patients were also enrolled under the study if they were refractory to at least one TKI and standard chemotherapy. Patients were randomized to inotuzumab versus chemotherapy um, investigator's choice. Uh, inotuzumab was given in weekly dosing, um, uh, and then uh, once CR was achieved, it was given days 1, 8, 15, every 28-day cycle. And here were the results. Um, if you look at... Uh, the um, remission um, rates uh, about at almost like 80, 78% um, got into a CR with uh, the inotuzumab arm outperforming the standard chemotherapy arm. Um, same thing was for progression-free survival um, for both um, um, groups. The overall survival initially seemed like it was sort of superimposed, but on long-term, um, actually, the inotuzumab group uh, did better than um, standard chemotherapy. Now, if you look at the subgroup analysis on this, um, if patients were subcategorized as to the duration of the first CR, the kind of salvage, first or second, or age, again, inotuzumab uh, ozogamicin outperformed um, chemotherapy, uh, but there's one subcategory of cytogenetic risk, which is the translocation 411, which was the one category that it seemed did not work, and that just tells you that the, this is a disease biology that is very refractory and resistant, and perhaps uh, that is not a subcategory that the drug um, works as well as um, in the other subcategories. But otherwise, CD22 expression, the percentage of bone marrow blasts, whether somebody had a previous transplant or not, the efficacy was similar. The side effect profile of inotuzumab is very unique. Um, the liver function abnormalities are pretty common, uh, 20% uh, in the inotuzumab arm versus 10% in the chemotherapy arm. The hyperbilirubinemia is the same, 15 versus 10 in the chemotherapy arm. Uh, 
the patients who develop high bilirubin and it does not go back to their baseline at the end of the cycle have an increased risk of developing another toxicity of inotuzumab, which is venoclusive um, disease uh, that was uh, in the trial was seen in 11% of patients versus 1% in the chemotherapy arm. And VOD was seen up to two years after um, randomization um, of the trial. There were several risk factors for venoclusive disease that were identified. Uh, one being ongoing bilirubin elevation prior um, to transplant, because uh, a lot of these patients underwent um, stem cell transplant, and that itself increases the risk of uh, venoclusive disease. Uh, if the patients were heavily pretreated with chemotherapies, uh, patients who had a pre prior HSCT or uh, stem cell transplant were at risk, and also the conditioning regimen. A lot of the alkylator or melphalan-based um, conditioning uh, regimens have an increased risk of um, VOD and patients who um, who have who got inotuzumab and that conditioning regimen also ended up having a high risk of VOD. And all of this increased the post-HSCT non-relapse mortality um, in these um, um, patients. So if you have somebody who is um, young and about to go to HSCT as, and inotuzumab is being used as a bridge to that, these are things that to consider um, when you're choosing the drugs. Cytopenias, um, thrombocytopenia particularly was common, 42%, um, and uh, dose reduction guidelines are in place uh, for, for platelets that do not recover back to baseline in CR. There are several ongoing trials combining uh, these uh, two drugs, uh, blinitumumab and inotuzumab ozogamicin, with chemotherapy or TKIs. In older patients, there is a trial um, with preliminary data with using mini hyper-CVAD, which is like a lower dose of uh, hyper-CVAD chemotherapy, plus um, inotuzumab, uh, CVP and inotuzumab, TKI plus blinitumumab, as I had um, discussed earlier, and in older patients, um, chemotherapy using like a Larson-like regimen with blinitumumab uh, is undergoing uh, um, tri uh, trials right now in a randomized fashion. In young patients, um, pediatric uh, patients, and these are the patients who we would generally not transplant if MRD negative pediatric-inspired uh, regimen in combination with inotuzumab is also undergoing clinical trials to see if um, better um, CRs and uh, long-term survival can be achieved. The last um, um, giant is uh, the uh, CAR-Ts, or uh, the chimeric antigen receptor modified T-cells. CAR T cells, um, the, the approved um, CAR T cell, which we'll talk about, I'm just, I just want to talk about in general how these CAR T cells are being uh, manufactured and how the patients are going through it. Patients who have um, relapsed ALL are undergoing a, a phoresis procedure to collect um, um, white cells, and they, they are then shipped, cryopreserved, and shipped to the manufacturing facility where the T cells are being enriched. Um, the cells are then uh, being transfected by a lentivirus um, and a CAR um, gene. Uh, the idea of that is to identify CD19 um, as the target um, for the, uh, the approved um, CAR T cell. And uh, it is the intracellular domain uh, is a co-stimulatory molecule which uh, is responsible for the enhanced skill um, or cytokine release that is uh, needed for these um, cell um, um, toxicity. 
once these, as these cells are being prepared, simultaneously the patient is being prepped um, for receiving the um, CAR T cells. The whole process uh, can take about three to four weeks for the generation of the CAR T cells. Um, the uh, patients are given lymphodepletion conditioning, usually a combination of fludarabine and cytoxin, um, in order to uh, cut down the patient's native T cells uh, so that the CAR T cells can do their job. Um, and once the lymphodepletion is done, uh, at least two days after, uh, somewhere between 2 to 14 days is when the CAR T cells are being uh, infused um, to patients and then monitored for all the um, side effects that will happen. We're going to talk about that in a minute. The, the trial design that led to the approval of Tessagenlecflucel, if my son can say that at five years, I'm doing really well. Um, the, uh, the, the pediatric and young adults with relapsed and refractory um, V-cell ALL, and, you know, the, the, it's interesting how the, this whole screening um, started. just tells you how it's not uh, easy. Is 107 patients were screened for the trial for refractory um, B-cell ALL, but 88 enrolled. And out of the 88 that were enrolled, 68 were actually treated. And what happens with this drop is that many times patients cannot survive the period of CAR T generation, and uh, their disease gets out of control, um, and that's why they cannot be um, treated. Uh, 53 of the patients who actually got the, um, the CAR T cells actually had to go through some kind of chemotherapy outside of the conditioning regimen in order to control their disease so that time can be given for the CAR T cells to be generated. After lymphodepletion, as I said, CAR Ts were given um, 48 hours after completion of chemotherapy, and this led to the approval. Um, it is currently approved for up to age 25 with um, refractory, um, uh, primary refractory ALL or in second or more relapse. And if you look, okay, um, the endpoint was actually CR at six months because this was looking at a very refractory um, populations. Many of these patients had undergone multiple, multiple, multiple um, chemotherapies and HSCTs. Um, at six months, about 70% had achieved uh, a, a CR, and of the patients um, who did achieve a CR, at about 24 months follow-up, some of these are still ongoing, um, while some of, some of them have started to relapse after the six months. But the trial met its um, a primary endpoint of um, you know, 70 to 80% CR, and the drug was approved on that um, basis. The survival, um, uh, as you see, has been ongoing um, for some of these patients for up to 24 months. And if you look at the CAR T cell, you, you can detect the CAR T cells in blood. Um, and if you look at the CAR T cells uh, at, in follow-up, you can see that some of these are persisting for a pretty long time. So the concept of these cells is that once they're recognizing the antigen, they're able to self-generate and kill the um, um, the leukemia uh, cells, and this persistence of CAR T cells has actually been linked to these ongoing CRs that are, um, that are being seen um, for this um, uh, the trial. Now, managing the side effects of CAR T cells is a huge, huge problem, and I think the development of these drugs have been slow because of this precise problem. 
uh, cytokine release syndrome is the incidence is pretty high compared to what we have seen in blinitumumab. 80% of patients go through it, 50% are serious. And when I mean serious, they're actually patients who are in the ICU with multiple pressors and are intubated for, um, uh, for their ongoing CRS. There are some risk factors, um, including uh, uh, a high disease burden or escalating white cell count even after lymphodepletion that leads to these uh, a higher chance of um, CRS. It is very important to recognize um, um, the presence of fever and tachycardia is usually the prodrome that precedes the CRS. Uh, early use of tocilizumab, which is an uh, anti-IL-6 receptor antibody, has been shown to reduce um, morbidity and mortality in these um, patients. Uh, tocilizumab, once uh, given, usually works pretty quickly in a few hours, and repeat doses can be given um, at least 12 hours apart uh, if there's ongoing CRS. Steroids are currently used as a second-line agent um, for managing uh, CRS. Um, there is some concern that the steroids might decrease the efficacy of CAR T cells, and that's why tocilizumab that is anyways very effective in managing these um, CRS um, syndromes is being used as a frontline um, for uh, managing cytokine um, release uh, syndrome. The second uh, uh, is, um, side effect is neurological toxicity, which uh, the incidence is, again, pretty common. 72% of patients get it. 21% are serious, um, leading to uh, cerebral edema or coma or like uh, a non-arousable state. The median time to onset for this encephalopathy is six days. For cytokine release syndrome, it's usually 48 hours. Um, but, it, but while CRS can go away quickly with giving tocilizumab. Encephalopathy can be prolonged and sometimes has been seen up to like 50 days um, from the onset of the symptoms. Uh, it is not always related to the CRS. It can happen in the absence of a CRS or after CRS resolves. So it's a little bit different and the exact mechanism of why patients get it is not known except that there might be some um, um, a disruption of blood-brain barrier and endothelial dysfunction that could do that. Patients have headache, delirium, encephalopathy, tremor, and sometimes mutism and aphasia. The standard of care for this is steroids, um, which is um, uh, helpful in um, reducing the uh, symptoms from encephalopathy. Um, the third thing that has been seen with CAR T cells in a prolonged fashion is B cell aplasia because these cells are so um, potent at killing CD19 as a target, 40% uh, of patients um, actually have prolonged um, B cell aplasia and uh, it can occur in patients in CR up to one year after the CAR T cells have disappeared from blood. Um, standard infection prophylaxis um, are in place and immunoglobulin replacement um, is um, actively done to keep the levels more than 500 um, um, milligrams per deciliter. And as I said, they can um, persist for a while, so no live vaccines. <laughs> now, you know, with, the, with immunotherapy, we have now three drugs that are approved recently, and rituximab, which has been um, around for a while. There are several challenges for using immunotherapy um, in, uh, in ALL, and some of these challenges are more for CAR T cells, um, but things that have, that have to be um, talked about and considered is 
first one is relapse. You know, there are patients who are relapsing after um, CAR T cell use, and sometimes that's happening because there's an antigenic escape. There are, it can either happen because the CD19 antigen itself undergoes a modification, and the CAR T cells are unable to recognize them, or there's a CD19 clone that actually grows as the, as the CAR T cells kill the CD19 positive cells. So one of the challenges to how to overcome that, and there have been um, uh, attempts at using CAR T cells that recognize two antigens, not just CD19, but in combination with others like CD123 that could be helpful in order to prevent this antigenic escape. The second um, big issue is safety because um, the big issue with our patients um, with all of the CRS that happens is how can we actually limit these off-target um, effects and better characterize the host in order to understand who are the people getting these um, bad CRS or neurotoxicity, and there have been attempts to identify such patients. Um, and, and the other uh, way to kind of increase safety is the potentially the use of suicide genes um, in the CAR T cell itself, which could uh, um, kill the um, CAR T cells via an antibody-directed uh, mechanism. Um, and that way, if somebody's actually very sick, we can um, kill the CAR T cells before they cause any more damage. Enhancing efficacy, um, so not everybody's obviously responding. So again, using dual targets would be one way to enhance efficacy to see if um, more people can respond um, to the treatment and more importantly, having sustained responses. And the fourth one is universal availability. So the issue with you know, CAR T cells, as I have uh, uh, said, the, um, that auto-CAR auto T cells take four weeks, up to four weeks of generation, so, and some patients cannot actually wait for that. So what, what can be done um, about it? And there, has been, there have been a couple trials looking at off-the-shelf CAR T cells um, used from allogenic donors um, that could be used um, in patients to... Um, negate this whole wait period, um, but these are all undergoing um, clinical um, trials um, uh, using the CD22 um, target as well. That concludes my talk.